Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. We had like spring break. We had like Taylor Swift. Yeah. So we just took kind of a long break. But we're back with episode 26, right? Yeah, 26. Okay. Um, And yeah, so we're excited to like be back on track. Um, This week we're not going to do thorns because... We can't think of anything bad that's happened. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm like, that's actually pretty good. I know. I think it's because it's the week. Well, it's not the week after spring break for you, but it's the week after spring break for me. And so I feel like it's been pretty chill. So yeah, like nothing bad has happened. But so we'll just do roses. Knock on wood. I know. <laughs> and we do have a treat today. Oh yeah, tell us about your treat. It first. was the JoJo's, um, like coffee chocolate. They're like the Oreos covered in like chocolate from Trader Joe's but it was not just an Oreo like it had coffee flavored like Oreo cream inside mm-hmm. it was really good what do you rate it I rate it a eight yeah I think I rate it a little lower just because I'm not a big fan of chocolate yeah but I really like the mocha taste yeah in it. so I'm gonna give it a seven okay Sounds good. <laughs> uh, the one for, the, I think it's like a seasonal one. Like, I think they have seasonal things because I went to my boyfriend's house for, um, like, when I was at my boyfriend's house the last time, maybe it was like, I don't know, it, was, it had to be around the holidays, but they have, like, holiday versions where it's, like, chocolate and then, like, covered in, like, peppermint candy. So it's, like, it's like peppermint bark, you know? Yeah, I think we had it. No, we just had the peppermint oh, bark. We had the peppermint bark. <laughs> but they have, like, the JoJo's ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. they have a lot of seasonal things. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it. Um, anyway, we'll get into our roses. My rose is that I was just on spring break last week. So I went to D.C. and I got to see my boyfriend. And that was really fun. And, yeah, we just did a lot of fun things. I like really like going to like museums and the zoo and stuff like that. So we went to those things a lot. We went to the aquarium. So it was fun. It was just nice to take a week off school. Yeah, it looked super fun. I'm yeah. so grateful we still have a spring break. I know. Like, at our job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you just, I don't know. It's, like, a built-in. Although, I guess, like, other people, like, can take a break. It just If they want to, I If guess. they want to. Like, they genuinely, like, generally have, like, days that you can take off, you know? So, you can, like, give yourself a spring break mm-hmm. if you wanted to. But we have a spring break and then a summer break, too. Yeah, so we do get a lot of breaks that are, like, embedded into our year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my rose is that we went to a Taylor Swift concert in Vegas. It was so fun. Yeah, that was a while back ago. Huh? <laughs> I said that was a while back ago, but it's still my thorn. Probably, I mean, my rose. <laughs> probably the highlight of my year. I know. Well, until the next one that we go to. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it was really fun. I had a great time. Yes, and yeah. you've probably already seen on social media. Just, like, her concerts and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, no, it was super fun. So that was also a rose, I would get, I would say. All right. So let's uh, get on to our case for today. Yes. 
So our case this week, I don't know if you've heard of it, it has to do with Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Oh, uh, no, I like heard of it, but, and I feel like I've heard a bunch of like conspiracy kind of theories about it, but I have, I feel like I don't know any of the details about it. Mm -hmm. That's a cool one. Yeah, so Netflix released a documentary, and that's kind of how I heard about it and was inspired to do this case. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, so if you want to watch it, I used it a lot for my research. It's on Netflix, MH370, and there are three episodes. It, that's so cool. I didn't even know that they released an episode. This is a cool one. I was getting some case suggestions today from my sixth graders, and <laughs> they said they? I should investigate the case of if the sixth grade math teacher has a boyfriend or not, and that was their <laughs> case suggestions. Well, are they going to listen to it? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> But I think this one is a little bit better than that. We'll add it to the, our suggestion list. <laughs> All right. So on March 8th, my birthday, wow. 2014, Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 departed from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and was scheduled to arrive in Be- Beijing, China about six hours later. On board, the Boeing... Triple Seven was scheduled to arrive in Beijing, Beijing, and there were 227 passengers and 12 crew members, so 239 total people on board. However, about an hour into the flight, something went terribly wrong. At 1.21 a.m. local time, the last communication from the cockpit to air traffic control was made, and everything seemed to be normal at that point but just two minutes later the plane disappeared from radar screens and attempts to contact the flight crew were unsuccessful the plane seemed to have vanished into thin air this led to many theories and speculations about what happened to the flight interesting yeah i feel like i remember this being a big thing when it happened like i definitely remember a lot of chatter about it on like social media and on the news and everything Mm -hmm. But then I don't, I feel like I haven't heard a lot since then. Like, I feel like it was a very big thing for, like, a couple weeks. And then I feel like I have not heard anything about it. Yeah, I don't even feel like I remember hearing about it. Like, I remember hearing about, like, an airplane that Mm -hmm. disappeared. But I don't remember it being this. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with kind of, like, a timeline of what happened and then go into, like, some of the, like, families, what mm-hmm. they experienced, like, crew and passengers that mm-hmm. were on board, um, kind of, like, communication, mm-hmm. and then, of course, some theories okay. that exist. Cool. Yeah, so at about 12.41 p.m. on March 8th, 2014, Malaysian Red Eye Flight 370 takes off from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to Beijing, China. The night was calm, and all communication systems were working fine. There was nothing unusual, and it was rather um, a quiet night. The aircraft communication addressed all the reporting systems that were on board the computer, which collects all the information about the aircraft and the pilot performers. So they also track oil levels and engine performances. So, like, they're tracking, right, everything Mm -hmm. you would hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the computers also measure 
just thousands of data points and send information via satellite to the airline and engine manufacturer and other authorized parties. There's like a lot of ways that an aircraft can communicate from people. Yeah, I feel like it it has to because like if you have, I mean, I don't know, if you have an emergency in the air, like you got to act pretty quickly to like figure out where you should go because if not, like you're falling out of the sky, you know? So like, especially with like, oil, like it, like whatever gasoline levels and Mm -hmm. things like that, like you have to, I feel like there's so many calculations with that kind of thing that have to be made, um, to avoid like an accident like that from happening. Like when I was flying to my friend's bachelor party, they flew us from Chicago to Nashville and we had to turn around at Nashville and they were like, oh, we could go to either, like, one of these three airports because, like, those are the only airports we can get to with, like, like the direction that the wind is going and, mm-hmm. like, with the oil that we, like, the gasoline that we yeah. have left and, like, how fast whatever the wind would push us this way in this direction. So, yeah, I feel like it's definitely necessary to have those, like, tracking devices on, like, an airplane. Yeah, so, yeah, that's exactly, like, what yeah. they use them for, like, in a circumstance like that. So, everything was normal, like, no red flags of mm-hmm. anything. Um, and at 1.19 a.m., the pilot in the cockpit makes a voice check-in with air traffic controllers as the plane is leaving Malaysian airspace and now entering the Vietnamese airspace. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of, like, in this gray area. So, they, um, he says, all right, good night. Um, the plane is about to leave Malaysian airspace when... Um, after, like, 90 seconds later, the plane vanishes from the radar. Okay. So, at 1.20 a.m., the plane goes completely electronically dark, which is very unusual for this to happen since, like I said, there are several points of communication between the plane and the air traffic control, and the plane just stops communicating. So, the plane is flying blind from the ground's point of view at this point. And I feel like there have to be multiple different things. Like, it wouldn't be like, oh, if one sensor broke, like, that means the, they can't find the whole plane. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there has to be, like, like quite a few sensors, like, on that plane, you know? So, like, whatever, if one breaks, like, it's not like you're losing the entire aircraft. Like, it's just weird that every single sensor would have vanished from yeah. their ability to see it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of communication points. Yeah, so it is odd. Mm-hmm. And the people back at the station start to call the plane to see if they can make contact with it, but there's no luck. Malaysian air traffic control in Subbang outside of Kuala Lumpur lose contact with the plane over the Gulf of Thailand between Malaysia and Vietnam. So this is kind of in... Uh, the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. At one thirty-seven a.m., the communication transmission does not happen when it's supposed to. It seems as if the communication system was turned off or hijacked, and in order for the communication to just stop completely, like it did in this case, someone would have to have to deliberate, deliberately turn it all off, mm-hmm. or there is some catastrophic failure like an explosion or a crash okay so because it would have to take out every single thing yeah so because it happens so suddenly yeah that only happens like in these cases if you like shut it all down mm-hmm. or if yeah just the, plane the plane's explodes. gone yeah. yeah so at 2 40 a.m malaysia airlines says it 
learns that the plane is missing from the radar. Malaysian air traffic controllers told Malaysia Airlines at 2.40 a.m. that the flight was missing, and the airline contacted the president of aviation control. So around this time, uh, Malaysian Airlines begins their preliminary search. So during this time, they're trying to like source every possible communication to locate its whereabouts, and they declare that they lost contact with the aircraft. So they contact other air traffic controllers just to see if they like had caught anything uh-huh. on their radar. Yeah. Or they contact other aircraft that are flying within the same uh, route. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping the plane landed somewhere, maybe in Vietnam, mm-hmm. Cambodia, or China before it arrived in Beijing. Like it had like, there was an accident, but they were able to like land the plane. Yeah, like maybe when it was flying over the South China Sea where communication stopped, mm-hmm. like maybe shortly after they were able to land somewhere nearby. Yeah. So yeah. these are like the places that were nearby. Yeah. But unfortunately, they did not land anywhere in those places, as we know. Yeah, and like, because I'm thinking, like, on one hand, like, ima- like, how do you find a plane? Like, how do you even go about looking for a plane? But I guess they do have like radar, and I guess they do have like the ability to track flying objects, you know, over your airspace in the country. But it's like, how do you even locate a plane? Like, that mm-hmm. just seems like. Yeah, especially when all communication systems are off. Yeah, like, how do you even go about trying to do that? Like, I, I, I think, like, the air, like, yeah, police that's or, like, other air traffic air controller police. people, um, they definitely, like, are keeping an eye out, like, yeah. to see what's, like, in the air, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, like, I guess there is, there definitely is, like, safeguards. They just have never thought about that. So, I'm like, well, if a plane goes missing, like, I just yeah, don't like, even know, what? like, yeah. how you go find that. <laughs> So, at this point, Malaysian Airlines said it issued a code red alert that the plane was missing from radar. So, it's not, like, becoming more and more serious Mm -hmm. since they realize, like, they can't find it anywhere. This um, declaration requires immediate deployment of emergency response plans. And it took about an hour to issue this alert because they were trying to locate the plane and they didn't want to worry anyone Mm -hmm. by just... You know, releasing this alert and really they actually landed somewhere else. Yeah. So they really wanted to confirm and that's why they were reaching out to everybody. Yeah. um, Trying to see if it landed anywhere else. Yeah. I guess that makes sense not to panic. Mm -hmm. But like also, like you lost a whole plane. Yeah. Like Like, I feel like that's a pretty big reason to like (laughs) freak out, you know? Yeah, definitely. At 6.30 a.m., this is when the plane should have landed at its destination. Mm -hmm. This was five hours since they last made contact with the plane. And at this point, the story is is all over the news. Mm -hmm. Um, They mentioned that Malaysian Airlines confirmed it lost contact with the flight carrying 239 people on board. There are media outlets contacting the vice president of operations, Mr. Sergi, about the missing flight. And because the plane should have landed at this time, you know, people are starting to get even more worried. Mm-hmm. And because before this, people still had hope that the plane would land at this expected time. And it would just be like, oh, a yeah, fluke. Like, they, like yeah. I don't know how, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, you're still going to hold out hope until that time comes and then passes. I feel yeah. like you're going to still be like, oh, well, 
maybe it just like they broke and they'll land anyway but yeah but unfortunately they did not land and mr sergi the president of operations explained that the plane only had six hours of fuel left so that would give the plane until about 8 30 a.m until it ran out of fuel so like even then mm-hmm. like maybe there's still a tiny little bit of hope yeah so the aircraft was a Boeing 777. So this was the 404th Boeing produced. It was operated for the first time on May 14th, 2002. And the aircraft was manufactured to carry 282 passengers. And it consisted of 53,000 hours and 7,526 cycles. So this includes like take takeoffs and landings. Yeah. So, like, this plane was, like, used a lot. Yeah, but nothing had ever gone wrong with it. Yeah, so the Boeing did not have any major incidents, Mm -hmm. except for a minor incident of a broken wing tip. Okay, but that's it. Yeah. Okay, so, like, nothing that crazy. Like, it had never, like, malfunctioned before. No. And then the last maintenance check occurred two weeks prior to the incident, Mm -hmm. and the aircraft was in compliance. Yeah. And then addition, additionally, a replenishment of the crew's oxygen system was performed a day prior to the disappearance, and they found nothing unusual. Yeah, and they literally delay those flights for anything. Like, they delay those flights for, like, they're like, your seat armrest is broken. Like, we're going to have to delay your flight two hours to fix the seat armrest, yeah. you know? So it's like, so you know, if they, if, yeah, if they had, like, a, ma- a whatever, a maintenance check, like, it's not like they're just going to, like, ignore something be like oh well it's like okay you know at least I would hope not yeah no they definitely take those things seriously and that just reminds me of when we were on our flight back from Vegas yeah how we had to wait to get off the plane because what was it like the the door was broken broken. or like the yeah the whatever the gangway like when they pulled, pulled down the ramp from the gate to like connect to the plane like, I think the door from that thing was not opening. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that, yeah, I feel well, like... Well, that's because we were flying on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> that was the bumpiest, most bumpiest, like, ride of my life, and it was after, like, researching this case. Oh, really? Like, oh, my God. And I wanted to tell you, and I, I held it in. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> Alright, so, yeah, and additionally, the Boeing 777 was known for having an excellent safety record since its first commercial flight back in June 1995. The Boeing has only suffered two other losses before this, including a cockpit fire and a crash, but it was a minor crash, Mm -hmm. only three people died. Yeah, like, I feel, because I feel like some planes actually, like, I mean, maybe since then, I do not have any specifics or details on this, but there has been, like, one plane that has been highly talked about that, like, just, like, fails in the middle of the air. Like, it'll be, like, whatever, you're flying this plane, and then it, like, completely short circuits. That's so, so scary. But there, there's one type of plane. Like, I'm sure if I looked it up, I'm sure if you, like, looked it up, there was, like, it's just, like, one type of plane that's kind of been, like, recalled now. Like, they're mm-hmm. not really allowed to, like, put them out because it's had so many malfunctions with that certain scenario but like it doesn't sound like this plane has ever had even like 
it wasn't like a mechanical issue with like all of the Boeing 777s. No, it has like a pretty amazing track record. Yeah, because sometimes, like, no, I, I have heard like things about planes that do just a specific type of plane yeah. does ha- not have a good track record or something. But, and, and that would make more sense to me if something like this happened. Well, it's like, well, it's happened in the past. You know, we have record of it happening. But the fact that, something like this has never happened to, like, one of these planes is pretty odd. Mm-hmm. And then after this there, after this incident occurred, there were a few more after that. So okay. to this day, there have been a few more. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about another one, like, okay. big one that occurred. Okay. So at 7.24 a.m., the search and rescue were activated, and the procedure was for the team to go and search in the area where the plane went dark, obviously, because that's, like... You know, they wanted yeah. to see if anything happened, which was in the South China Sea between Malaysia and Vietnam. So there was an oil rig around this area, and the personnel from the oil rig reported an explosion as if an aircraft had crashed into the sea. Okay. And, like, so oh, is this it? <laughs> like, this is the whole show? Like, yeah. you solved it? Yeah. Uh, So they reported a lot of fire and debris in this area. There was a huge amount of interest from the public, so everyone was tweeting, like, Mm -hmm. it's got to be here. Uh, And people were making up theories, saying the plane had crashed in different locations, Mm -hmm. or saying it had been hijacked. Mm -hmm. Like, so they were just going, like, crazy on the internet, just because there's no answers. Right, I do remember, like, I feel like there was, like, a frenzy after it happened, and I feel like that was all anybody was talking about, like, on social media was what had happened. And I feel like I do remember seeing there be a lot of, like, internet sleuths. Like, oh, I solved it. Like, it took off at this time and, like, whatever. And if it was following this flight pattern and it was traveling at a speed of this, like, if it went down here, it would have crashed at this location in the sea. You know, like, like people who are trying to, like, calculate where it would have crashed if it had gone down at this specific location. Yeah, I'm like, what is, like, your background on this? I know, I'm like, like, I feel like I do not trust you because (laughs) I think if you could solve this, like, I feel like the people in charge could also solve this. You know, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you are not on Twitter are not smarter than the entirety of this task force that was specifically hired and trained to find, like, missing planes. Like, if you could do their job, like, I feel like they wouldn't have a job, you know? Like, so I don't know. But I definitely remember that being, like, a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the conspiracy theories and the, like, what-ifs people were talking about. Yeah, so the investigation team was receiving so many tips Mm -hmm. that they were taking everything as truth at this point. Like, they couldn't really, like, deny anything. Because you've got to. Like, like, if you you have nowhere to start from, I feel like you almost have to, like, take everything that somebody says as true and then, like, sort out whatever the bullshit is from, like, possible leads. Yeah, so this is why they went to where the reported fire and Mm -hmm. debris were and they did find oil slicks spreading six miles wide in that area Uh there was large solid debris found around the area as well and this looked very convincing as oil looked like fuel jet Mm -hmm. and the debris as pieces of the boeing Mm -hmm. and the team had to test this information Uh, meanwhile Another flight that was 30 minutes ahead of Malaysia said they made contact with the plane 
right before it went dark and said they heard mumbling coming from Mm -hmm. the aircraft and they told malaysian airlines that there was a lot of interference like during the time so it's like maybe it was their whole communication systems were like a little janky even before like it went dark so i'm like maybe they didn't catch something yeah or it just occurred at that point yeah so meanwhile family members began to worry that their loved ones had had not texted them saying they arrived at their destination something like that this is just so terrible or like imagine you're going to pick them up and because it is it's like overnight right it was like a red-eye flight so it's not like you're sitting there and this information is coming out in the afternoon where you would be awake mm-hmm. and, like, whatever, receiving this information. Like, you turn on the news and you're receiving this information while you're awake. Like, I would imagine that a lot of these families who are going to pick up their passengers from the airport, like, went to the airport, you know? Like, just mm-hmm. because they woke up and they went not turning on the news, not turning on anything, you know, and they went to go pick up their loved ones from the airport and, like, that they found out there that the flight was missing. Like, I could imagine that would, ha- would happen to a lot of people. Yeah, and they didn't even announce it until, like, the plane was supposed to land. Right. Yeah, so, so if they like, were going to pick them up, yeah, they like would definitely Everybody there. would be there, yeah. That's so tough. Like, that's so... I don't know, that's so scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the documentary includes a lot of the family members. So... You get to hear a lot of their perspective. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, uh, friends and relatives in Beijing were sent to a city center hotel to wait for any news or updates. Uh, family members were in distress and they were being mobbed by the reporters when they were arriving to the hotel. In the hotel room, they said that the team is currently searching for the missing plane. So this was just like a place where they can like inform the families and Mm -hmm. they wanted just to have them all together Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of just people taking pictures it was very chaotic and they were trying to get like videos of them like yeah almost like harassing them and a family even got a phone call from a reporter and this is how she found out oh really yeah because a reporter called her and said can i speak to your husband, mm-hmm. but her husband was on the flight. Oh, so they were trying. So I don't yeah. know why they were trying to talk to her husband. I think they were trying to get like information from right. her. So this is how she found out. No, that's like I feel like that's a real problem. Is when people or the whatever news stations know things before the people who are affected know yeah. things. I know that was a big thing, and I think it's like going on in court. Either just what happened, or it's going on now, where. When Kobe passed away, like, when his helicopter crashed, the news was leaked to, like, a reporter. So somebody who was there, like, whatever, sent the pictures, sent the information to a reporter, and that's how his wife found out that he had passed away, is because, like, the paparazzi reported it, Mm -hmm. and whatever, it was released on whatever news outlet it was released on. And that's how she found out. Like, nobody called her. Nobody let her know Mm -hmm. that this thing had happened. And that's how she found out. Because it was, like, then it was all over the news. Yeah. So I feel like that's a very, it is a very, like, consistent thing that people will notify news outlets first before notifying the people who are actually affected by this. Yeah. Like, the family should definitely know before the public Mm -hmm. does. I just feel like that's... 
Like a form of respect. Yeah. Respect for the families. And then you can warn them about, like, if anybody is affected by this, like, their whole reaction is going to be caught by the people mm-hmm. trying to get pictures of this yeah. whole thing. Like, and I feel like that's such a private thing that you want to be able to, like, grieve in private or you want to be able to process this mm-hmm. news without being, like, caught on camera. Like, I feel like that's not a lot to ask. Yeah. And then on one side, I do understand if it's, like, a big really big like incidents mm-hmm. such as like 9-11 yeah. and stuff that they have to report yeah. just so people get out of the area yeah like yeah I understand that but maybe just not naming like people involved or right. calling families right. to get information on them right like I don't know you know I just feel like people should have decency. more respect for like the people who are affected yeah. by this whole thing yeah all right so Yeah, the families are gathered, like, in this hotel room, and the families wailed and cried for their missing family members, but some some other family members could just not bear to be in this kind of environment, just gathered in a hotel, like, waiting for information to come, where everybody's, like, distressed. Yeah, I feel like that's a really hard, just mentally, to be in. Like, I understand the point of being, like, wanting them to all be together so they could easily share information. But I feel like that is such, it, it's like turns into such, I don't know. Yeah. It's just everybody's like going through the same thing. It's almost too much. Like yeah. it's like there's no escape from, like it's all around mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then family members reported when, that when they tried to make contact with their loved ones that were on the flight, their cell phones on the other end continued to ring instead of going straight to voicemail. So meaning there was a connection there. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be like their phone, say their phones, say the plane did crash, their phones are at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like if they were at the bottom of the ocean, there would be no connection. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm like, that's so interesting. And then when the families told... Um, this to the government they pleaded for the investigation team to track down the calls mm-hmm. like if it's connecting you can track down where it is right but yeah. the malaysian airlines and the government said they did not have the te- technology to do so but the families believe this would be the easiest way to find their loved ones yeah i don't know i don't know if they can track it if you just have one person on the line like i feel like I don't know. Literally, this information is just from watching, like, NCIS or something. But I feel like whenever they're trying to track a person, they're like, oh, stay on the line. Stay on the line. Like, I think it does take But what about, like, find my friends? Yeah, that too. I don't know. I guess maybe none of them, like, would have that. Because otherwise, I would expect that they would, like, use it, you know? Yeah. Well, this is also, like, 2014. Did we have find my friends? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay, But, like, we definitely had, like, find my iPhone, you know? Like, I would expect that somebody knew somebody's, like, password to go into their computer and log in to, like, find my iPhone. Yeah, see, these are the things they don't talk about. Yeah. I mean... I just want to know. Unless nobody had iPhones. Like, I do think iPhones are a very American thing, and, like, in... I know, like, definitely in China, like, people don't really have iPhones. Like, they have, like, they have smartphones, but it's not, like, an iPhone. So I think that, like, a lot of the technology that we have on, like, an iPhone is not is not on certain smartphones. Yeah. It's, like, a different brand. It's, like, whatever. It's just not 
people just don't use like apple in every single part of the world mm-hmm. yeah so that's probably why yeah yeah but the families were frustrated because of this um and then march 9th so the day after there are a few other tips the Vietnamese thought they spotted a life raft that could belong to the flight, but it was a cable reel. And then the fuel residue that they tested earlier, they found, came from a ship. So it wasn't, like, the plane jet fuel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, what, what happened there? I know. So... Like, what's all that debris? <laughs> what was is that anybody, Is anybody going into this and yeah. figuring out what's happening here? <laughs> like, that's pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all they said about that. I'm like, Okay. So, like, interesting. All right. I feel like that's a pretty big deal if it was six miles wide. Like, something obviously happened there. Right? Yeah. And then all the debris, too. Yeah. So, what do they think? That was just, like, a ship that just went down? Yeah. Now we have a ship missing, too? Like, what is this? And then what about the guy who saw something, like, explode on fire? Yeah. Yeah, falling from the sky. Like, what was that? Yeah a lot of weird things happening yeah so on board of this boeing 777 like i said there are 12 crew members including two pilots and 10 cabin crew they were all malaysian citizens and the pilot in command was captain sahari ahmad shah age 53 he had a vast experience of flying with a total of 18,365 hours of flying experience. That is a lot of hours. 18,000? Yeah, so he's a very experienced pilot. Let's see. 18,000 divided by 24. That's 750 days straight. That's like what? That's That's like like two two years years straight of flying. That's crazy. That's a lot of experience. He's pretty young. He's 53. Yeah, that is a lot of experience. Because obviously you're not flying straight every single day. Like... Yeah, that's a lot of experience. Yeah, and the co-pilot was First Officer Farik Abdul Hamid, age 27. Mm-hmm. So he had accumulated 2,763 hours of flying experience, but this was his final training flight, mm-hmm. and he was scheduled to be examined on his next flight, like ready to like fly on his own. Mm-hmm. And of the 227 passengers, 153 were Chinese citizens, including a group of 19 19 artists with six family members and four staff returning from a calligraphy exhibition of their work in Kuala Lumpur. 38 passengers were Malaysian, and the remaining were from uh, 12 other countries. Okay. So it was just like a variety Mm -hmm. of nationalities. And then... Oh, I forgot to say, 20 passengers, uh, 12 were, or they were employees from, like, the same company mm-hmm. called the Freescale Sem- Semiconductor, um, and then some were from an international Buddhist organization, so they're just, like, okay. groups of people, Yeah. so, like, obviously they looked into that, just, like, in case, like, oh, if they it thought was something else. It was, like, hijacked by somebody on the plane. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Let's talk about the communication. So many people thought it was odd that the plane lost full communication. So this is where some of the theories start Mm -hmm. about what could have occurred. Because, like we said, it has multiple forms to communicate with the airline. So this would only happen if something catastrophic occurred or if it was, like, intentional. 
Uh, but there was no evidence to back up, like, a lot of this. So that's why I feel like every theory is almost, like, plausible. Right, because there's nothing that says this theory is not wrong. Yeah. Because there's not really a lot of evidence at all, right? Like, to think about anything so I guess everything could be it's a lot it's very hard to prove Mm -hmm. something wrong when you don't have anything yeah at all (laughs) yeah and then because there's no debris found where the plane lost communication they're like so then this could this have been a catastrophic event yeah nothing is found in this spot right like it you would think if it was something that was I guess dangerous enough or big enough to take out every single form of communication, then that would be something that would be big enough to, like, make the plane go down, I would think. Yeah. Like, and then if it goes down in that specific area, like, you would think that you would find it somewhere around that area. Mm -hmm. Like, it can't have gone that far. If that was the thing that was, if, like, something big enough had happened to take out every single form of whatever data collection, like... I feel like your plane couldn't can't go that far without those things. Like, can't fly that far without that. Yeah. So, like, it would make sense that the plane would go straight down, I guess. But then, yes, backwards, it seems to me that, well, if the plane's not there, then then it can't have lost all of these things in a catastrophic event. But then it's like your proofs, you know, like if then, but then it's not like backwards, then it's like, you yeah. know. It's not, the converse doesn't yes, work. Yes, the converse doesn't, like I don't know if the converse works in this situation. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so, I know. That's why it's like, it's so tough to like, to even like know what theory to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of all of that. But, so there was uh, some updates. The Malaysian military said that the plane was actually going the wrong way. After the communication stopped, they said that the plane actually made a sharp left turn. So instead of going, like, to its destination in Beijing, it, like, turned left back, kind of, like, back to Mm -hmm. where it was coming from. And originally they said they had no evidence to back this up. They could not have known whether it was a helicopter or aircraft that was uh, seen on the Malaysian military radar. Oh, so they're so, seeing like, a flight pinged. path. Okay, so they saw flight something on the radar, but they don't know what kind of aircraft it yeah. was. Yeah, they don't even know okay. if it was like an, a Boeing 777 or if it was like a helicopter. But if it was that plane, it would mean that the plane had turned around, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then families are very confused by this news. They're like, like, what do you mean it turned left? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like why? Um, but then, like, what they weren't telling the public at this point was that even though the plane was not transmitting communication, the Malaysian Air Force military radar tracked the plane as it passed over a small island of Pulau Perak in the Strait of Malacca, which is... Like, if it, the plane turns left. Mm-hmm. And it was hundreds of miles off its original course. It was on the opposite side. And the military radar showed that it flew in a west westerly direction back over um, to where I said. And then this was the last time that any civilian or military radar 
is known to have tracked the aircraft. So it did end up tracking it. Yeah. They, and they know it's that plane. Yeah. Okay. So they ended up knowing it was. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to tell them okay. how they knew. Yeah. Because the Malaysian military, um, when they handed over the data, they just said they didn't want anyone knowing how good their radar yeah, is. Yeah, I feel like that is kind of like a a something that you would want to keep a secret. Like, I do understand how your radar tracking and what you do use for radar tracking is something that you would want to kind of keep, keep close mm-hmm. to your whatever. Like, yeah. that's your defense system, I think, against yeah. a lot of attacks from other countries. So I do get that. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That mm-hmm. Yeah. Information. But just the way I think it was delivered was what made people so upset about it, especially yeah. families. Because at first they just said, oh, it turned left. Like, yeah. They didn't say how, how they knew. I know. I feel like, like you could have easily been like, oh, we have evidence showing that the plane turned left and moved in a westward direction. Mm-hmm. Like, people are not going to read too deeply into that. You know, people are not going to be like, oh, I don't know. I feel like you could have said any, you could have lied and been like, oh, well, we have radar from the plane. Like, we have radar from the plane that showed it turned left and moved westward. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like you didn't have to, you wouldn't necessarily have to re- release, like, military secrets to yeah. be a little bit more forthcoming with the information about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, they definitely could have done a better way or job at explaining that. So the public doesn't know, like, they still don't know this information. Mm-hmm. So there were 40 ships and 34 aircraft in the search of Malaysian Flight 270 in the Andaman Sea and in the South China Sea. So both places, like, one where they lost communication, mm-hmm. one, like, if it turned left. But they failed to see any signs of the aircraft. And when it, it was really impossible to search in both locations. Like, these are just really large bodies yeah. of water that they're looking yeah. at. So. It is. And it's like, you if you have no, I guess, pinpoint of where this thing went down. Like, I was saying before, like, how do you find a plane? Like, it, I mean, it might seem big. Who was saying when we were playing that game? When we were playing this game, who said that the biggest thing that they could think of was a plane? Definitely not me. <laughs> it was definitely you. <laughs> we were playing this game. Sorry, tangent. We were playing this game, and the question was, what's the biggest thing in the world you can think of? And Jessica... But in the world. So Jessica, I was just thinking, like, the Jessica said a plane. Like, a plane? That's the biggest thing you can think of. <laughs> like, okay, maybe it's what you think of as the biggest thing, but... Well, someone said the universe, and I didn't think that counted, oh. or else I would have said the universe. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't think so. I was just trying to play A plane. The <laughs> There's things in this earth bigger than a plane. Okay. A mountain, an ocean. <laughs> oh, my brain could not think of that. <laughs> anyway, my point is, with that, that it might seem like a really big thing, but I feel like in the grand scheme of things, it's actually very small. Like, if you're looking for this plane in the middle of this sea, like, if you have nowhere to start and you have nowhere, like, to even begin searching, it's so, it's going to be almost near impossible to find that. Because if you're even off by, like, you could be in a mile off and you would never see it. Like, you could be half a mile off and you would never see it. Yeah. It's, like, under the water. Like, how I... I it's like almost I feel like it would be almost impossible to find this thing like maybe it would be possible to find it like 
if you had a more narrow, like, whatever area that yeah. you were searching in. But even then, it's like it's in the water. Like, it could be anywhere underneath the water. And, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to go dive down there and search, like, every single part. Like, even with a ship using radar, I feel like you'll miss a lot of things. Yeah, or it could have been washed off somewhere else. Right, like, it just, like it's, I feel like know. that's almost impossible. Yeah. Yeah, so relatives are very angry that they were not getting any answers, so they threw water at officials. They just wanted answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also an independent group that was created during this time. Uh, there was These were people that were interested in finding out what was happening, happening just because of all the media attention that this case received. It really, you know, sparked a lot of people to help out. Mm-hmm. They included pilots, engineers, scientists, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and just other people that were familiar with yeah, see, like this kind of stuff. Those people I trust yeah. that they know what's going on. Somebody on Twitter I don't trust. But see, no. that's this pe- these people, I fully believe that they had something relevant to say about the situation. Yeah, and they spent over 12 hours a day researching. Yeah. So I'm like, what's your, your other job? A, I don't know. Like, how do you have 12 hours in a day? <laughs> to do this that's true yeah yeah so and then there was also another company called the tom nodders i think i'm saying that right which invited people to look at high res photos where the plane might have gone down so like this is like other people who are trying to help out and then this photographer cindy hendry paid really close attention to details and she was given an area to search so the Mm -hmm. way like this i don't like website yeah this company this company worked uh people received like photos and then you just like look and i guess it would be yeah and i guess it would be like the purpose of it would be like it's way too many photos to for one person or one Mm -hmm. group to look at but if you like kind of i don't know anybody can look at a photo like if you just put that between the millions and millions of people in the world who were probably, like, getting the attention of this case, like, I feel like it would break up the work a little bit easier. Yeah, so that was definitely their plan. Yeah. And so Cindy, she received a few photos, and then most of the pictures just look like blackness of Mm -hmm. the sea. But then she spotted something white that appeared to be debris from the 777 Boeing plane. Mm-hmm. which would match um, the Malaysian flight yeah. 370. And she informed the media and authorities, but by this point, like, they believe that the search, they believe that the plane was in the Indian Ocean, so mm-hmm. they believe the plane took the sharp left turn that I was talking about. Yeah. And I'm going to show you the photos, and then we'll post them on our Instagram. And, like, I could have just like never known i don't have this experience yeah but these are the photos that she was looking at what the and so she because authorities did not do anything about what she found she went to like twitter and tweeted all the photos okay and so they got a lot of attention right um that they really just look like I don't know it like white Yeah, specs it does look like white specks. Like it doesn't really Like how do you know that? Like I know you do this for a living. Yeah. But 
also like how... I don't know. That doesn't look like anything to me, but <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe if you know a lot about planes. Yeah. Or you know a lot about what things look like when they're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would. Yeah, I guess if you really yeah. know like what the ocean should look yeah, like. Yeah, then you would be able to figure out like yeah. anomalies. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. So she truly believes that this is mm-hmm. like pieces of debris from MH370. Mm-hmm. And she like goes on like media to say that as well. She's just trying to get, like, people to notice and to go back to searching in this area. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not, like, I guess if she's noticing something, like, why not? Like, you have no other leads to do it. Like, maybe it's nothing, but, like, what what else do you have to go off of? Like, this is the only, I don't know. Why not? I feel like, why not just go back and search? Yeah, so the thing is, they had to end the search in this area, Mm -hmm. in the South China Sea, because... They're just looking at too much, like I said. Yeah. Too much area. Yeah. And they wanted to really narrow it down. Yeah. So they decided to go in the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, they could not go back there, unfortunately, okay. just because, yeah. yeah. They get to get, like, government clearance, too. Yeah. Some things like that. Yeah. So... With the information that I said about the ping mm-hmm. indicating that the plane made a sharp left, they were not really sure about the coordinates. Yeah. Of, like, where exactly, but they yeah. did know how far it was from this satellite that it pinged. Yeah. And there was an important conference scheduled to update the public about the new findings, and Inmersat data concluded that the MH370 flew along the southern corridor. This is a remote location, and with deep sadness and regret, he announced that flight MH370 ended in the southern Indian Ocean. Okay. So people believed that math was not enough evidence to prove that the flight had ended in this location. Yeah. So even though, like, these mathematicians determined that it had gone south, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, like, what if it went yeah. north instead? So they were just refusing to believe this information. Right. Family members were angry. They demanded the government to bring their family back. And then parts of Beijing began to protest, which is extremely rare for mm-hmm. them to do. And they just refused to accept this announcement. Yeah. I see it from both sides because it's like, oh, well, you're telling me. Okay, obviously, I do think the people who are doing the math are probably pretty good at their job. And they can probably, like figure these things out so yes i think you should be able to trust the people that are doing their job that they're gonna give you the right answer but then on the other hand it's like okay well you're claiming to know how far this plane has traveled since the satellite and but you still have not found this plane so like yeah obviously something's weird about this you know like not them being like they're bad at their job but it's just like i understand how the people whose family were affected by this are, like, hearing this information and being like, oh, well, we can determine how far this plane was away from the satellite. Like, you know, we know it went north this far away from the satellite. Then I could see how these people would be like, okay, well, then why haven't you found it yet? If you're telling me you know where it it had to have ended up, then you're telling me you know an area where you could search, Mm -hmm. but yet you're searching this place and you're not finding it. So, like, are you sure? 
you have all of the updated information? Like, maybe not. Like, maybe it pinged off the satellite last, but, you know, who knows what could have happened after that. So I, I see yeah. it from both sides. But I feel like generally the people, these people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a weird situation. Yeah, I agree. So, and then because this plane was deliberately flown off the course... Mm-hmm. This now turned into a criminal investigation with the pilot as one of the prime suspects. So they thought that it was, like, on purpose. Yeah. That they, like, shut down everything and, okay. Yeah, just because it had gone left, you know, and right. flew off of its course. And then like, it was disappeared. Yeah, it's going on. We have to investigate further. And it wasn't for, like, a reason. Like, it wasn't, like, because of whatever. He didn't want to fly through a storm or anything. It, yeah. Yeah. Not that like, they know they of. Know of. Yeah. Yeah, so during this time, like, people began to have more outrageous theories, such as a meteor hitting the plane, North Korea taking the plane. Yeah, I do. I feel like I remember all these people. Yeah, I feel like I do remember all of this kind of thing happening, being like, oh, well, whatever, somebody flew up and, like, hijacked the plane because it was going over, like, two airspaces at once. I remember that was a really big thing. Like, it was, like, leaving Malaysian airspace and, like, crossing the border, so they're like, anything could have happened, like... Since it was crossing this like air border, I'm like, yeah, I don't think they so. Like, hint, hint at that in the documentary too. Yeah, and then some people would say an alien abduction. Well, maybe who knows? There's been a lot of UFOs recently, so <laughs> yeah. at this point now, I'm starting to believe it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's where all that boat came from too. Maybe an alien spaceship crashed yeah. also. <laughs> But we're going to discuss some of the more credible theories. You're saying alien abductions are not credible? (laughs) We're not going to go into that one. (laughs) But if you want to do your own research, I'm sure there's Reddit threads on that. That would definitely convince you. Yeah. Okay, so the first one that I'm going to go into is about the captain being more likely to be the culprit of, Mm -hmm. like, everything. An intentional. Yeah, so an intentional Theory. Yes. So the co-pilot had just been approved to fly. So Sahari, the captain, was extremely experienced, so he would know how to commit this sophisticated crime. So that's why they believe it would, would not be the co-pilot, mm-hmm. just because of like, his experience. Every, yeah. He would know how to fly this plane somewhere. Yeah. There's the other people are like there's yeah. no way that the co-pilot, co-pilot. could have. Yeah. done this or figured it out. And I guess it would be like, oh, if he had just been cleared to fly, then you would think that it would be more likely to be able to deceive this co-pilot, being like, oh, well, why are we shutting this? Like, you know, like, things like that. Like, I'm sure he would be less likely to catch little things mm-hmm. that might warn somebody more experienced that something wrong was happening. Yeah. So, theorists made the theory that he committed mass murder-suicide. Interesting. So, this is just kind of, like, a timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, This is created by aviation journalists. Mm -hmm. So, he says these are the events that maybe could have occurred Mm -hmm. if this was the case. So, 40 minutes after 12 a.m., the pilot was flying a routine red-eye flight. When MH370 is about to be handed off to Vietnam, he takes advantage of this gray zone that we talked about. So in between two traffic zones, the pilot asks his co-pilot to go get him something to drink or just, like, something to go, like, Mm -hmm. get him out of um, the cockpit. So Zahari then locks the door, 
and now he is ready to implement his plan. So he turns off all the electronics that make the plane visible to the outside world, and he vanishes the plane from the radar. So everyone else on the plane has no idea about what's happening. He then grabs his steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Is it called the yoke? That, that's know. the word that's used, and I'm like, I don't know if people know that. Just say steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, steering wheel, and he makes a sharp left turn. Zahari decides to depressurize the cabin so he can keep everything under his control mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to worry about the co-pilot coming yeah. back. Because depressurizing the cabin is, like, turning off, like, the oxygen um, controls, right? So people yeah. would essentially, like, knock out, right? Yes. Okay. So the masks come down from yeah. the... For the passengers to use. But the thing about that that people don't know is they only last 15 minutes. Oh. It's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me that oxygen masks are going to come down and I've got 15 minutes of these yeah. oxygen masks before something has to happen? Yeah. So I don't know if this is, has changed since this happened. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, obviously, you don't have an unlimited amount of oxygen. Yeah. But 15 minutes is hella short. I'm like, I did not need to know I know, that's really scary. <laughs> I thought it was like, we were good. Like, we are good to go. Like, if something happens, no. like, we got those oxygen masks on for, like, hours. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about that either. <laughs> but, so they only have 15 minutes, and soon the cabin is quiet. Mm-hmm. Zahari... So he has a special, like, um... Supply of oxygen. Supply of oxygen, and I think also mask. Yeah, I would say that's probably a smart idea. Yeah. So Zahari turns the plane to the south. So once they turn left, he goes to the south Mm -hmm. Indian Ocean. And he goes into the darkness, waiting for the fuel to run out. After six hours of flying... He turns the nose down and he starts the dive. So people say this is like the necessary theory, like just to consider. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but also like what reason? Like I, there's no motive really for that. Yeah. Like even if, I don't know, like there's really nothing, I don't know, that's convincing me that like that would be something that he would want to do. Yeah, so let's just talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. who the pilot was. So he was known for his political opposition. So they mm-hmm. thought, oh, maybe he's like a radicalist. And then right. did this as kind of like an example or like a yeah. symbol of this. Yeah. It's like, but he didn't tell anybody. So how are they how are Right, they it's know? not, there's nothing that's, like, I feel like if you want to make a symbol out of something and make it political, like, you have to... You would announce maybe right. something on the radio. It has to be right. You're not just gonna. It, no, who's gonna know that that's a symbol of your political opposition? If like just the flight goes missing, like that d- makes no sense. Yeah. And then there's another document that revealed that the FBI found on Zahari's flight simulator because I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they have flight simulators that he had a flight. In which he took this same, like, route mm-hmm. and went into the southern Indian Ocean mm-hmm. less than a month before the plane vanished. Mm-hmm. So they thought this was odd. Like, right. he had, like, a similar Definitely is route. odd. Yeah. And then he... But some people are like, no, he couldn't have done this. Like, he made YouTube videos 
to help people fix like their AC and windows. He just like seemed yeah. like a really helpful guy. Yeah. And, you know, just wanted to yeah. help people out. He did not seem like an extremist at all. Right. And he was known as one of the best pilots by his co-workers. And his co-workers did not believe this theory at all. Yeah, like, I don't know. What is, like, the reason? What is this? Is a one flight? Like, there's... I don't know. Like, just on this one flight, he decides to do this. Like, he decides to make this statement. Like, yeah. on this one random flight, like, in the middle of the night. Yeah, and just because they're trying to consider, like, if someone yes. did this deliberately... It like, would have to be would, him. Yeah. Because yeah. he's so experienced, like, he would know how to disappear Yes, an airplane. Which does make sense. I just think that there's really no motive. Like, okay, and what? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I agree with that. I don't think there's enough information to say that. And, like, poor Zahari. Like, people are making up these theories about him. I know. And then his poor family, too. When it just sounds like he's done pretty much a lot of everything right, like, over his career, and then this one thing happens, and then suddenly people are, yeah. And then they interviewed the family, and obviously the family is devastated that people would even come up with these theories, Mm -hmm. especially after, like, having lost, like, your husband or your dad. Yeah, that people now think he did it. So there was a lot of, like, a media release that said, like, he did it. And stuff, and some people do believe that he was involved somehow. Yeah. Um, and then about the simulator, they realize like this he doesn't really prove anything. Yeah. There is no like they concluded there was no unusual activities, like yeah. other than a game related flight simulator. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's weird, but it doesn't it's yeah. not like it no, like links they it at not, all. Yeah. Re- they did not reach a conclusion. Yeah. So that is that theory. Okay. So, um, on July 17th, 2014, so a few months after the disappearance of the flight, there was a Boeing 777 that was shot down when it was on route from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur. Mm-hmm. And two. this is two airplanes within a six-month period. Yeah. And now they're trying to say, oh, like, maybe did Russia have something to do with this? Yeah. Since they're the ones who shot down this flight. This one, okay. And they were wondering, did they do it to destroy their credibility? Mm-hmm. Or is this an act of terrorism? Right. So uh, maybe it's just, like, they keep targeting these specific planes yeah. coming from this specific country. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just really odd because, like I said, there was no major events with this Boeing Triple Seven, and now there was like two, two within six months. But were they able to? They're able to definitively find out that somebody had shot this plane down, right? Yeah. So like, would there really? How would they like just go? I don't know. How would the other plane just go suddenly? gone like if they're able to determine like some this specific thing happened with this plane like wouldn't they be able to do the same thing with the other plane you think yeah like you would think so so that's why people are wondering did russia do this to kind of make them look bad Mm -hmm. and prove like their information wrong like about where they thought it was yeah but in the months that followed the search in the indian ocean were unsuccessful because the area was described as close to nowhere as it possible possibly can be. 
The area is known for its strong winds, mm-hmm. inhospitable climate, hostile seas, and deep ocean floors. Yeah. So it was, like, super difficult to search in this area. Yeah. They also were using satellite imagery of the region, and the area they were searching was the size of the U.S. I See, mean, like, how massive. are you going to find a plane in something the area of the size no. of the U.S.? You're not going to yeah. ever find that plane. Like, ever, 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 ever. If you have an area the size of the U.S., you are never finding anything in there. Mm-hmm. So, that just to give you an idea of this area. Yeah. And so, this brings us to a second theory of passenger involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Russians, like, because they were Russian, <laughs> Russian people on citizens, board. Citizens, yeah. Russian citizens on board. So, several months after their disappearance... Like I said, the other flight was targeted by an air missile. Mm-hmm. And upon examining f- examining flight records, they noticed that there were three Russian Russian passengers aboard MH370 that were all seated close to an electrical compartment. Mm-hmm. So this electrical compartment is kind of like... It can't be accessed by the pilots. It's more of where you're, like, sitting in, like, right. first class. There's, like, a little, like, door yeah. that you can open up. And then that's yeah. where all, like, the elect- electronics of the plane are. Yeah. It's just, like, a whole electronical compartment. Yeah. So they believe that they access this somehow mm-hmm. and diverted the aircraft. So this is how this theory plays out. Zahari is flying over the South China Sea. And the three Russians on board the plane begin their operation. Someone is making a distraction. Like, one of them is maybe making, like, a ruckus or something, yeah. too. Which makes the the workers, like the flight, the flight attendants, yeah, yeah. go in his direction, like, as a distraction. So the other Rus- Russian passenger can go into the electronics bank, which apparently does not have, like, a lock or anything. Like, you can just lift, like, a piece of the rug the? and get in. Like, wouldn't, it, wouldn't other people see? I know. Like, well, maybe they did see him. They, they couldn't do anything. Yeah. But, so he gets in there. Once he's in there, he plugs in his computer. And I shouldn't say he, but the Russian... Well, I guess because they're all male. I can't say he. I was like, am I being biased right now? <laughs> like, of course no. it was a man that yeah. did this. <laughs> I'm like, no. It was included in the information. It was a man. <laughs> yeah. So he plugs into the computer of the plane system. And <laughs> once the plane is in between this, in between the space that I talked about, the gray okay, space, yeah. he makes the plane vanish from the radar screens. So he now has complete control over the plane. From, like, a computer? Yeah. Like, he brought his Chromebook on board and he was able to take over a plane? Well, he's a hijacker. Oh. <laughs> they probably have experience with this. This is, like, Did the They assumption. know he was a hijacker or no? They just thought. No, he, they okay. just thought. <laughs> <laughs> They're just assuming because of Because he's Russian. Yeah. Okay. So they are being biased. Yeah. The plane makes a sharp left and begins to depressurize the plane. Can he do that from his computer? He can turn the plane? <laughs> so, I'll tell you right now. Okay. So, in the cabin, the masks fall down, so kind of like the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And then they can't breathe, so they all lose consciousness. And the Russian agent reprograms the system and makes it seem as if the plane went left. But it actually goes 
south, ultimately landing in Kazakhstan. Okay. So just like they make it seem like it's going one way right. when it's actually like somewhere else. But there were some implications to this theory. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to fly the plane through the hatch, but it is possible to turn off all communication systems from the hatch. Okay, so yes, I get that part. I get, I do understand, I do follow how you could turn off a thing. I don't understand how you could like suddenly fly this plane from the yeah, computer. Yeah, I was like, like, wait, what? <laughs> Anybody can just do that? From seat like 4B. Yeah. Like, I'm not... <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, first class seat, maybe you got, like, your personal smearing wheel yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, like when you have a driver, like, a, you're learning how to drive. Yeah. You have, like, the fake wheel. And the person, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But, like <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, they had no proof, right? These Russian people were just Russian people. Like, yeah. they just, nothing about them was suspicious in the past or well, what? Well, they had, like, stolen passports or something. Oh, that is pretty suspicious. That is. So they got into onto this airplane with like fake documents. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but some people believe that this information was altered. Like when they released the list of like people who mm-hmm. were there, they like changed it to include them. I'm like maybe so it was after like, they researched it. But. Yeah, but people are saying it could be like propaganda mm-hmm. against Russia. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like Russia is a very easy target to blame for a lot of things. Like, oh, it's probably Russia. Like, especially when they just blew up yes. another plane. Yeah, it is. Would be very easy to be like, oh, well, actually, we have this list of passengers, and here it was. So there's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if my I could fly a plane from my <laughs> MacBook Air. Well, say like that did not happen. I feel like you would need a very big computer to fly a plane. Like, yeah, I'm like, are they allowed to bring that as your carry? What what computer are you bringing that you could fly hack into and fly a plane? That would need to be a hell of a big computer. Yeah, and do they like when they scan your luggage? Do they like save that data or no? Do you know? I don't know because I think it's just X-ray. Okay. I mean, maybe they, like, flag certain people, you know, because certain people, Save like... data? Yeah, and then, because certain people get, like, flagged for, like, extra security check, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think it, like... Because imagine how many pictures, imagine how many things that you yeah, have to save every day. True. Like, I don't think that they like, have, build like... the cloud. Right. <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> like, I don't think that they can save that many, like, images. Because think about how many, like, things that are t- a TSA. Like, you must scan... I don't even know how many people a day. How many, like bags you would scan a day a million like it's too many i mean maybe you would flag certain passengers but i don't think you would even i don't think you would even save the data i think it would be like oh this passenger was flagged at this airport and then it would make it more likely for them to be like checked for a random random security check at like another airport yeah yeah so that is that theory yeah i don't know if i buy that that just seems like very far fetched. Yeah, I mean the part about them being able to access like the electronic thing is interesting. Like that somebody could have, if that was damaged or turned off intentionally, like yeah, then in the like passenger who knows? Like, part anything of the plane, is possible right? At that that point. is interesting. That that would not be in the where the pilot is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess because they don't want him to have all the control. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. But I'm going to go 
through another theory about the cargo on board. So Malaysian investigators reported that Flight 370 was carrying a total of 10,806 kil- <laughs> kilograms yes. of cargo, which included four standardized cargo containers of mango steens weighing 4,566 kilograms. Of mango kilogram. steens? <laughs> mango steens, the containers. Oh. So... These included lithium-ion batteries. Oh. So there's a lot of batteries on board. Yeah. And the airport inspected by Malaysia's Federal Agriculture um, began to load the flight, but like they said, they did not scan the shipment. Like, it was very sneaky how they got this on board. So it's just being shipped. Yeah, it's being shipped to China. Okay. And the rest of the shipment included walkie-talkies, chargers, and accessories. The batteries were assembled on March 7th and transported to, like, the area where they were inspected by Mm -hmm. the employees and Malaysian custom officials. However, the delivery did not undergo security screening before being loaded onto the aircraft. Okay. I see. So they were inspected, just not through security. Okay. So they thought that was weird because, like, you would obviously scan something through security before putting it on the aircraft. Yeah. Like, that could be anything. Right. But I guess if it's, like... Or, like, I guess I don't know what it means to be inspected versus, like, going through security. Maybe they meant, like, I don't know, not inspected as at a level that they should have been inspected mm-hmm. at. Although I didn't even know, like, planes, like, can bring... Because that's not, like, somebody somebody does not shipping that. Like, that's not somebody's on the no. plane. So it's, like, it's not going to go through, like, TSA. So maybe it was, like, oh, well, it's just this company shipping it to this company. Like, maybe it, they didn't... Maybe they don't have as strict, like, security measures for that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's not, like, somebody on board. It's not, like, their... Whatever. It's not, like, their luggage. It's not their cargo that they're bringing to china like i guess maybe you wouldn't like i don't know you would assume that a business is not going to ship something dangerous because it's like their things that they're selling to another you know mm-hmm. so maybe it doesn't have as strict security measures yeah so or they, maybe people just don't maybe they do maybe they should but maybe it's like less common that people actually follow through with it because it's like mm, too much work you know yeah maybe like maybe it's supposed to be checked very thoroughly, but it, like, just wasn't. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, but then they were just classified as the... Okay, they're not classified as dangerous goods. Okay. Uh, but not only lithium-ion batteries are highly flammable, but they can cause intense fires if mm-hmm. they overheat or ignite. Okay. So this has led to now more strict regulations on their transport aboard an aircraft with some airlines stopping bulk shipments Mm -hmm. on passenger aircraft due to safety concerns. So maybe, like, yeah, the rules were more lenient back then. Yeah. About cargo. And then cargo aircraft crashes have been caused by fires fueled by lithium-ion batteries, such as UPS Airlines Flight 6 and Mm -hmm. Oceana Airlines Flight 991. Okay. So then that is possible if there are a bunch of yes. ion batteries. At this point, that probably seems like the most 
but plausible then, like, one. Why didn't they find anything there? That's true. Then it's weird that it's like it went totally off, off track. Yeah. So the cargo was seen as Florence D. Ching, Changi, an author and investigative journalist, mm-hmm. proposed that maybe. So this is there's like two parts to the theory. Okay. One is like, yeah, it could have blown up. The second part is that there was an interruption mm-hmm. by two U.S. A walks, so that's the like their eyes, their eyes in the sky plane. Yeah. Um, MH370's cargo list noted that there were 2.5 tons of electronics, including like the lithium batteries, walkie-talkies, and accessories yeah. um, that people thought were like advanced technology that were going over to China, okay. and the U.S. did not want China to have these like things, things yeah. that were being shipped walkie-talkies? over. Why do we care? <laughs> well, they're saying it's advanced technology okay. that they did not want them to have. So, because the cargo was not scanned, this definitely made it believe that it was highly sensitive yeah. technology. And they also learned that there were two of these types of airplanes spotted near MH370. And the planes maybe like contacted the pilot yeah and said like land this uh, plane now mm-hmm. kind of so they could like get Check the cargo the off yeah uh, but he refused to do so thus prompting them to shoot down mh370 mm-hmm. over this series has the south china sea so where the communication stopped mm-hmm. therefore the debris that was seen and the explosion in the sky was because of this okay so yeah, that's the whole theory. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... Is the U.S. Like... I, can they pull this off? Like, maybe? I mean, we do get ourselves into situations that yeah. we, like... Like, but why were we over there? Like, I mean, I guess we're everywhere. Yeah. I guess the U.S. Yeah. is probably everywhere that we don't even know. But it's like, why do you care that much? Like... And there is, like, a... Like, a... Not a, mar- a marine base, mm-hmm. almost like a U.S. Yeah. Like, base around this area. Okay, so yeah, I mean the U.S. does like really shady shit sometimes, mm-hmm. and is like in places that we have really no business being in. Yeah, but I do. But then they were able to test like was not wasn't the debris like not even related to that? Yeah. Unless they tried to, like, cover it up somehow. So it's like, they, like, shot it down, mm-hmm. and then they were like, oh, well, we know somebody's going to come and, like, investigate this, so let's, like, spread a bunch of, like, boat fuel. But, like, how do And then just, they... like, a bunch of, like, throw a bunch of, like, random, like, metal pieces in the ocean. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. That just seems... I can like, see uh, the government I covering that up. I can't imagine, like, that happening, but also I can. I know. So that's the other theory. And then on July 29th, I accidentally put 2025. (laughs) Are you predicting the future? Yeah. In July 29th of that same year, a piece of wing has turned up in the French Indian Ocean, island of La Reunion. This piece of debris has indicated it's been in the water for a while, Mm -hmm. and they believe it does belong to the Boeing 777. Although some people believe it was planted there. Mm-hmm. So they were, like, conveniently finding a piece of this way. Yeah. Like, 
like all of a sudden. Right. And then the documentary does mention that this same person kept finding debris along the ocean. But so they're like, how does this like guy all of a yeah. sudden show up to the beach and bam, there's like yeah. a piece of the Boeing 777. That we've been searching for. And yeah. we literally sent out like our entire aviation department to go find. Yeah, but and he... suddenly, suddenly you found it. Yeah, but he found it somehow. Yeah. So they did think that was very odd. And now I'm going to go over what the decided event was mm-hmm. of what occurred. So it's like the official. Yeah. But like, they have not, they don't have evidence about this, right? Or do they? Aside from like the math that they did yes. and stuff. No. Okay. So they, this, they don't know that this happened. No. This is just what they have released. Yeah. Okay. So they decided it was an unresponsive like hypo, hypoxia. Mm-hmm. So... An analysis of comparing, like, the evidence. There's, like, three categories that it could have been. Like, a flight upset, a glide event, which includes engine failure, fuel Mm -hmm. exhaustion, and an unresponsive crew or hypoxia event, which was what was concluded to fit as the best available evidence Mm -hmm. for the five-hour-long period. So, as it traveled south over the Indian Ocean without communication or significant deviations on its in its track likely it was on autopilot when Mm -hmm. this happened um but there's still like no consensus amongst investigators about this event they're just saying like somehow like everyone was like unconscious because of an event that occurred on board and then the flight was on auto autopilot and this is how it turned to left okay i guess so, this was their decided event. Okay. I see. So, just everyone is unconscious, and then it was just... Because, I mean, flights do fly themselves. Like, really, mm-hmm. the... I think, like... You know that show Mythbusters? Like, the people... No? Oh, Mythbusters? Yeah. Sounds familiar. familiar. So, they have determined that anybody, like, if you can follow directions, you could probably land a plane. Because mm-hmm. planes are so automated now that, like, if you are somehow the only person conscious on a board on board a plane like you could probably land it like if you were following instructions like from the flight crew you know so yes planes are very automated like really you only have to take off and land the plane like but everything else is like kind of done by the plane technology itself like the pilot is there to like be there in case of crazy things you know like flying around a storm or flying through a storm like making sure they get there safely so they're saying, like, the plane, yes, I do I do see how the plane could have, if every, if no one was there to stop it, like, it w- could have taken its own path. Mm-hmm. Like, it could, it could have flown itself. Yeah. yeah. So that is that, like, theory that was chosen as the final theor- theory. And so, like, the aftermath, Malaysia received a lot of criticism from the public, including families of the passengers. They criticized their failure to identify and respond to an unidentified aircraft only after viewing the radar recording several several hours after the flight's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So they're saying they did not act quickly yeah. when they knew about the information just because yeah. they didn't want to release it. Yeah. They didn't want to look the bad. Public. Yeah. yeah. No, or like they didn't want to release like um how much power they had oh like how how much they were able to actually understand yeah Yeah. so they criticized them after like Mm -hmm. all the information came out yeah 
to the public and yeah family members were increasingly frustrated with the lack of information march 25th 2014 around 200 relatives like i said were protesting mm-hmm. um it just caused like a a ruckus i guess mm-hmm. Because a lot of, of like, civil unrest. Yeah, because yeah. of them mishandling everything. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, they probably don't experience this often. Yeah. Like, you can always practice it so much. Like, yeah. you're prepared for the worst-case scenarios. But then if you don't really... it, you, How much ever you practice, it's never yeah. going to, like, prepare you for the real thing. Like, in theory, yeah. But it's, like, the same thing I believe about, like, fire drills. Mm-hmm. Like... Yes, we practice fire drills every day, but is it actually going to happen like that if there's a real fire? No. Yeah. Like, like, like when there is, they're always like when we're not in class right. and we're always like scattered on yeah. the field, like it's, unorganized. Right. Like nothing's ever going to prepare you for the real thing. So I feel like it's the same thing here. Like you can prepare for that and you can have like this plan for the worst case scenario to occur. But if this is the first time that this has happened, there's really... There's really no plan. Like, you don't actually know what you're doing. Yeah. So, they stopped the search in about, in around 2018. And now the families are trying to start up the search again. So, they're, mm-hmm. like, continuing to push for this. So, hopefully, like, this year, they, they're able to go back and start searching again. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, Yeah. Um, they ultimately ended up finding 20 pieces of debris that belonged yeah. to the plane. But it was just that one person? Or it was, like, it multiple was people? multiple people, but he did find, like, several of them. Okay. I see. So people were, like... Oh, it was, like, kind of sus. Yeah, we're yeah. sus of that and of that guy. But they other people have found other things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they claim this guy was a Russian spy. Okay, Just well. because he, like, speaks Russian. So everything is in Russian. Maybe he's related to the Russian hackers that brought their computer yeah. onto the plane and hijacked the plane from, from their, 23C. From their MacBook Air. <laughs> Maybe it was a MacBook Pro. You never know. Maybe. Those are a little bit more powerful. <laughs> They have like they had like that little bar on the top, and they had like their little pet like on the bar on the and top. And you can choose. Yeah, and you, they could choose emojis from it. Um, and so maybe that's how they were able to fly that plane. Yeah. And then that's but, it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like the the government, Malaysian Airlines had like this event called Meet the Families every year mm-hmm. and then they stopped that in july 2019 okay it kind of just like stopped everything yeah and it's yeah the yeah. families did get compensation it just mm-hmm. took a while until the government like kind of finalized what happened yeah because they couldn't really declare that they were deceased yeah until a certain amount of time afterwards right yeah yeah but obviously that's just like not enough for like no money is enough for what like for not knowing what happened, they went yeah. Through and are still, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't know what actually happened. Um, my money is on aliens. Aliens, you think? 
No, out of I, all the theories I, I shared, you're going to go with that one. I feel like it was probably something, like, very... I think that it was probably something very explainable, but it just happened at the perfect time when it was, like, there was no radar. It was in this gray zone. Like, I just... I feel like it's probably... The real thing that happened is probably very explainable. It just circumstantially happened at a time... Like, at this very specific time where they were not able to track it. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened. Like, something, whatever, something happened. I think that in reality it's, would be, it, it's going to be very, I don't know, a freak accident or whatever. Nothing yeah, that I think, crazy. Like, I think it's probably just, whatever, engine failure or something. Mm-hmm. Or if there's, like, hypoxia ministry. But then it's like, what even caused that? Like, they didn't even, they didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, um, it could be from, like, like fuel exhaustion yeah that happened with it yeah yeah Yeah, I guess but like I don't know I just feel like the real story must be very explainable but I I do think it happened in a very weird way but it I think there's just probably a series of like of wrong things that happened at the wrong time you know that they just weren't able to figure it out yeah but like if it was like the hypoxia theory maybe it was like mixed in with like an explosion yeah or i i don't know i think it's in the south china sea yeah for some reason yeah even though like the parts they found like aligned to it being in the indian ocean yeah just the way they like washed off yeah sure like it's so i don't know it's so crazy it's like you're realistically you're never going to find it because yeah i mean somebody's gonna find it when they're like like scuba diving or something like yeah like you know like it's gonna be random like it's yeah it's gonna be random and then they're gonna know what happened but you know it's gonna be like those things you're not gonna find something like that no matter how hard you look no matter how much like math you do if you're looking for something across that space that big of an area you're not gonna find it like the really only way to find it is to, like, stumble across it, I feel like. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that, that was an interesting... That was interesting. I liked that. I know. That's it was why I wanted unique. to, like, research really more. Really do it. And it was such a big case. Yeah. I was like, there's so much on this. Yeah. So, yeah, if you still want to, you know, learn more or watch the documentary, I think... Then Netflix does a good job at showing both sides yeah. of, like, the theories and also, like, what the government says. Right. That's good. So, yeah. you should give it a watch. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank and... you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we will see you on the next episode. Yes. Bye, right. everyone. Bye. And let us know what you think happened. Oh, yes. If it was aliens or... Something else. A meteor. A meteor meteor strike. (laughs) Yeah. Or if you could hack it from your own computer. Yeah, please don't do that. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.